You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. He's doing good. You know, I think his energy has been good. Uh, I think his attitude has been great. And um, I think the execution on the field has been good. So it's been good. There you have Nick Saban addressing the media yesterday and talking about, or actually yesterday afternoon following practice, uh, about the progress of uh, of Jalen Milrow. And certainly Alabama fans all across the globe are hoping that that is exactly the case. I found it very, very interesting that in that very same news conference, he mentioned that Ty Simpson was getting the majority of the two snaps. So I'm not really surprised that he is. I am, Lars, surprised that Saban brings it up, even when asked about it, usually... And that's the strange thing about Saban and quarterbacks. Uh, sometimes he's been very, you know, almost stubborn about not wanting to release any of it. But now it seems like Saban has this free flow of information when it comes to quarterbacks. He's never done that. I think he wants to give uh, his team absolute clarity of the hierarchy of the quarterbacks on the roster. And we have it now. It is Jalen 1, Ty Simpson 2, Buckner 3. And that is going to, to me, I think that's going to how it's going to be for the rest of the season, for better or worse. That's uh, that is how Nick Saban is uh, is going to roll. And uh, I I think that uh, you know he just he saw that this musical chairs of quarterbacks just was not working. I mean, we have ample evidence of that, right? Just <laughs> I know the sample size is small, just one game, but it's South Florida that it didn't work. It didn't work. You got to go back to the guy who's the most dynamic, uh, the, the most capable of uh, producing big plays and just, uh, you know, see what it's like for him. Uh, meaning Jalen Monroe, when everybody shows complete confidence and now Jalen knows he's the guy. He, there's no need for him to look over his shoulder. No need for him to feel like, oh, if I make one mistake, I'm going to get pulled. None of that. This is his team. It, it, it's clear. And uh, in, in, a, in, in a way, I think that could, uh, you know, if you get into the psychology of, of quarterbacks and being a leader of a team, once you know it's your team, the responsibility uh, becomes, you know, much more profound and personal. And uh, and you really, uh, you know, you step up your study habits, your work habits. And uh, and I think Nick Saban is hoping that uh, that uh, Jalen will respond in the appropriate manner. And I think he will. I do. I think he's going to come out and play a good game on Saturday. Do you think that they'll have had time enough to put in an offense that's more suited to his talents? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's in the playbook. I mean, those those plays are in the playbook. It's just a a matter of uh, the the, the play calling. And uh, and again, I'm sure that they are sitting down with Jalen, and these meetings include Nick Saban, and include Tommy Reese and probably other offensive coaches, and they are asking Jalen, what plays do you like the best in first and 10 and second and seven, you know, uh, just all, all the different possibilities. And when you call those plays, and, and this comes from Bruce Arians, when, when you incorporate the plays into the uh, play call sheet that the quarterback likes, you know what it does? 
it puts the onus on the quarterback to prove to the coaches why he liked that play, right? Because if if you are calling a play that the quarterback says, eh, I'm not sure about this. Well, that's kind of on the coaches, right? And, and you got to do everything you can to empower this young man whose confidence, confidence. yeah, whose confidence has been struggling. Who's con- yes, you have to empower him. And he needs to be actively involved in, and not just developing, you know, the opening script of 15 to 20 plays, uh, but all throughout the game. He has got to be in communication with Tommy Reese and with Nick Saban and telling him, telling them what he is seeing on the field, what he is comfortable doing, what he thinks will work. And uh, he just, uh, you got to get him involved in the uh, strategy as much as, 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 uh, as his play on the field matters. I mean, I, I really think that you, you just got to bring him in and, uh, and do everything in, in your power to make him feel comfortable. Good thoughts. I don't know if Butch hung on uh, from Huntsville calling in. Uh, Justin, can we? Bring him up and see if he has a question for Big Known Sports, presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Butch, are you still there? Hey, I'm still here. What you got going on today? Uh, I'm just going to address some of the so-called Alabama fans about quarterback. Uh, Jalen Milrose suffers from a syndrome that uh, several other Alabama quarterbacks suffer from. I call it the PDF. You know what that is? PD or PD no, just tell D us, tell us. D is in dog, F is in fan. You know what that symptom is? No. Please explain. Okay. I call it pigment derivative factor. I don't care if Jalen Milrose threw for a thousand yards Saturday and ten touchdowns, some Alabama fans wouldn't support him, and it's been that way at Alabama football a long time. I grew up in Tuscaloosa, and I followed Alabama football a long time, and and that's that'll be there ten years from now. Okay. All right, all right, okay, okay, okay. okay. That that's a, that's enough. That's enough. That that that's that's enough. Okay, we're moving on. We're we're not going to tolerate this nonsense. Um, move on. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just uh, there's uh, no it, grounds it, for that statement. No, no, none whatsoever. Uh, so, uh, Lars. Tell us uh, our guest lineup since uh, my communications uh, are down here <laughs> at, at my yeah. studio. Yeah. Um, so uh, Chris Walsh is going to join us uh, from uh, Bama Central at 1230. And then Charlie Potter, who also covers Alabama football, is going to join us at 115. And so we are going to get uh, – we are going to analyze this team and this game from every possible angle – and uh, we're really just going to sink our teeth into this today and, and tomorrow when we're at Innisfree because, Matt, uh, this is a seminal game in the career of Nick Saban. It is huge. Uh, Alabama, since 2008, has not been knocked out of the playoff picture or the national championship picture this early in the season. If I, I believe that's correct. And and if they lose to Ole Miss, and a lot of people are predicting that Ole Miss is going to come into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama, 
then uh, you know this uh, this season Alabama's playing for a uh, in a bowl game because they will be eliminated from the possibility of making the college football playoffs. So let's really uh, break this game down. What Alabama needs to do to win both. uh, What do they need to do on offense to be successful? What do they need to do on defense to be successful? And conversely, I mean, let's look at it from Lane Kiffin's eyes. What does Ole Miss need to do on offense to, um, uh, to, to to put up points? And I, I, I have said, I, I think, that Ole Miss will, I think their number is probably 31 to 35. And I think Alabama needs a score, probably 35 to win. And then conversely, what does the Ole Miss defense need to do to stop Jalen Milrow and what may be a somewhat new look offense? I mean, you, you just alluded to it. You can't fundamentally change everything you do in one week but you can change uh, the plays that you choose to call at different times. Again, like having Jalen Milrow drop back. Uh, yeah, having Jalen Milrow drop back and be a pocket passer when it's second and five, incomplete, third and five, incomplete. That is not who he is right now. I'm not saying he can't become that. Jalen Hurts wasn't that when he first got to Alabama. And then that, that, that caller, let's make sure that That's he never that, yeah he's never he's never allowed back on this show and then some but yeah no, we will talk extensively about alabama old miss and like to talk a little bit more about uh, the the whole saban versus kiffin uh battle uh on and off the field you're listening to big news sports presented by haley sansing union home mortgage Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon with a partly sunny sky. The high today, 85. Tonight, mostly fair with the low at 65. And the weather stays rain-free tomorrow and Saturday. Partly to mostly sunny both days with highs between 84 and 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 85 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More big noon sports coming up. One of the many promotions that Tide's got going on right there in Tuscaloosa, Alabama on Tide 100.9 is a way to win 30 k $30,000. And this hour, the code is 656. So go to the app, put in the code 656, and who knows, maybe you're going to pick up $30,000. Joining us now from ABC 3340 is Johnny Cognon. Johnny, how are you today? Appreciate you joining us, last minute and all. What you doing, man? Oh, nothing, fellas. Thanks for having me on, as always. Uh, just drove to work and uh, getting ready to head out to B.B. Comer tonight. They're playing Vincent in a Thursday night game. So get some stuff done for the uh, Friday night show tonight. Go shoot a little high school football on Thursdays, which I enjoy. And then uh, get ready for a crazy weekend of college football. Johnny, what's your uh, reaction to this week's announcement concerning now Ty Simpson being number two? And on Monday when Nick just stepped out there and said Jalen Milrose our guy. Well, the first thing I thought of is that Tyler Buckner had his uh, Cooper Bateman moment for those high fans that remember 2015, back when I was a sophomore, one of the more bizarre college football games I've ever watched where Cooper Bateman started that game and then it ended up being Jacob Coker that finished it. And everybody remembers what happened with Jacob Coker on the, along the way. They go on to win a national title. But 
Uh, as far as the decision this week, uh, Sunday night, Jeff Spiegel and I work on The Zone, which is on ABC 3340 on Sunday nights, and we kind of break down kind of what happens throughout the week of college football. We look ahead, and we kind of just said to each other in the office, we're like, you know what he should do? He should come out Monday morning. He should announce that Jalen Milrow is the starter moving forward, put all the controversy to bed and move forward. And we go, oh, he'll never do that. And lo and behold, I show up Monday morning for the press conference at noon, Monday afternoon. It's Monday morning for sports guys like us. <laughs> and I, I set up the tripod and I got the camera rolling. And what's the first thing he does, Nick Saban does before he answers the question? He gets up there and says, hey, we're Jalen's played the best of the three quarterbacks. He's our guy moving forward. And that so rarely happens where the coach does exactly what I thought he should do. Uh, and I think it's the right decision. Now, I came on last week with you, and I said, they got to go with Tyler Buckner to see what you have. I think in that short sample size, we saw a quarterback that looked ill-prepared and ill-equipped to handle the duties of being the quarterback of the Alabama Crimson Tide. And, again, I don't think he's a bad kid. I, I don't think he can't be a good college quarterback moving forward. But if it's going to look like that against an inferior opponent like South Florida, can you imagine what Tyler Buckner would have looked like against Ole Miss, against Mississippi State, against LSU, Tennessee? So uh, I think I speak for much of the viewing public that watches this Alabama team saying, I saw what I saw, I've seen enough, and it's time to live with Jalen Milrow, the good and the bad. And what are your expectations now that uh, Jalen Milrow is, he's not just the starter this week, he's the starter moving forward. And it certainly appears that uh, no need for him to look over his shoulder if he makes a, a bad play to see if Ty Simpson is coming in. This is, this is his team. I, and I think uh, you're exactly right. I, I, I was not expecting Saban to do this, but to announce on Monday that he was the quarterback. But uh, drastic times call for drastic measures and doing things the way he hasn't done in the past. And, you know, saying that Jalen earned the right by uh, standing on the sideline is rather interesting. Sure. But uh, um, how do you think Jalen's going to perform on Saturday? Uh, well, I, if I had a crystal ball, I'd know. But here's my here's my take. The first two games, they had him running a semblance of the Alabama offense that we've seen under Jalen, under Tua, under Mack, and under Bryce, where first read, second read, third read, go. He's proven that the one read isn't there. He's going. So it's time to start tailoring the offense and tailoring the game plan each week to his skill set, which is more paint by number than complex reads off of tight ends breaking Y shallow routes, having having X's come across the middle, all sorts of the, the convoluted stuff that the former Alabama quarterbacks have done. If Jalen Milrow is as dynamic running the read option as we saw at times against Middle Tennessee and Texas, let's sprinkle that in more than once a quarter. Let's, let's start having him move off tackle, some of that veer stuff, some of that motion that you bring the running backs across. And let's start letting Jalen Milrow be Jalen Milrow and be the athlete that he is. And, guys, he still throws as pretty a deep ball as I've seen an Alabama quarterback since probably Tua. I know Bryce threw the deep ball well, too. I, I thought Tua did it to a different extent. That Middle Tennessee game, some of those throws he had deep to, to Burton and Isaiah Bond and Nye Black, I mean, he can throw the deep ball. So I believe if they get him going with some of that read option, and again, everyone thinks you can freeze linebackers with the play action. You get that read option going, before you know it, a safety comes up a little too far in the box, and then all of a sudden you have one of five-star running backs, or excuse me, five-star receivers 
going over the top. I'd love to see Ja'Cory Brooks make an impact. I know he was suspended for the first half against Middle Tennessee for who knows why, but ever since that game, all season long, he has not been the same Ja'Cory Brooks that he has the capabilities to being like we saw his freshman year and obviously at times last year. So I'd love to see a rejuvenation of the offense where some of these talented players that Alabama trots out each Saturday, they have to touch the ball. They have to get a little mojo going. And before you know it, you look up and you beat Ole Miss by two scores. You say, all right, here we go. And you start working back to the process of getting back to the college football playoff. Now, with both LSU and Tennessee at home this year, you ask the expectation. I still expect Alabama to compete for a playoff spot, even with the uncertainty of quarterback. Now, if both those games are on the road, I'd say let's try to compete for a New Year's Six Bowl. But put it this way. Alabama has their dynasty right in front of them, or excuse me, destiny, I should say. We've been saying dynasty for the the last 20 years. That's been on the tip of my tongue. They have their destiny wide in front of them. All they have to go out now is perform, and it all starts with the quarterback position, and I expect Dylan Merrill to have his best game of the year. What does the defense have to do? Is there a number in your mind that they have to hold Kiffin's offense to in order to win this game? Because uh, we all think, uh, I think this is going to be another typical Ole Miss-Alabama shootout. They'll both get in the 40s. Yeah, yeah, at least 30, right? You have to imagine. I mean, watching some of the highlights last week, Jackson Dart against Georgia Tech. I mean, Georgia Tech under Bricky, that's not a bad defense by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, Jackson Dart had his way. Uh, obviously, we all know Quinshaw Junkins, the kid from Pike Road that's been at Old Miss. Uh, Kiffin, I think if Alabama's ever right for an, a, a defeat against an Old Miss team, it, it's right now. You got Pete Golding in the building who knows Alabama better than anybody with maybe the exception of Lane Kiffin. If there is an opportunity for Old Miss to come inside Bryant-Denny Stadium and beat Alabama, it's now. Uh, and ultimately, I think it's going to come down to a shootout. And that Alabama defense that at times last week looked dominant, looked like shades of some of the older defenses, you have to just go two weeks prior where they allowed over 450 yards to a Steve Sarkeesian offense. Now, is Ole Miss as talented across the board offensively as Texas? No, but they're not far off, guys. I mean, Dart's as good of a quarterback in the conference. And, of course, we just talked about Judkins. As dynamic a running back in not just the conference but the entire nation, I think the number Alabama is going to have to get to is 40, 42, 43 points if they're going to win this game because, Ben, I agree. I think we're looking at another Alabama Ole Miss classic where the team totals are somewhere in the 90s. You know, bigger picture, uh, clearly Alabama has struggled on, and this is the, maybe even, this is more shocking than the quarterback issue, struggled on the offensive line, struggled on the defensive line. Uh, the, the, a prominent writer who I, I really like, uh, uh, Joe Goodman, um, sure. he raised the question, like, is, why is Alabama playing so soft? So I'll put that to you. <laughs> well, I, I don't have an answer to it, but I, there's just something seems off about this team, right? Yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong, especially when SEC media days, J.C. Latham is telling us that we're going back to being trench kings. We're going to start physically dominating people, intimidating people. And then you go look at the entire line from left to right, and you're like 6'4", 330, 6'7", 335, 6'5", 4". Like, you know, I mean, these are behemoths on the offensive line. And you would expect a physically dominant performance week in and week out. And guys, sometimes when you get out there and, and you're between the white lines, and, and that's just not the case. And 
I think that was my biggest takeaway from Middle Tennessee because when a team like Alabama plays a team like Middle Tennessee, you know they're going to win. So you're looking for all the ancillary stuff that we were promised in the summer, and I was disappointed with the running game week one. Now, Jace McClellan, he's been good, but what has he had to work with? I, I think Rodell Williams stole the show last week, obviously gets in for a big touchdown. I thought he was their best back all last week, so I'm interested to see how the running backs are divvied up. I'm interested if we're ever going to see more than maybe a series of Jamari and Miller or Justice Hayes. But again, that all starts, especially on that left side with Caden Proctor, who I think is doing a lot of thinking at the moment. And who could blame him? A freshman coming in, starting as left tackle for Alabama. And it's been done before. Guys like Jonah Williams, guys like Evan Neal. But when you look at their career totality at Alabama, they were those NFL caliber prospects by year three or year two or three they weren't a finished product as a freshman so i think Caden proctor is going to benefit from this early playing time but there's going to be growing pains along the way so i think it all starts with that left side of the offensive line and i, I think seth mclaughlin was better at the staff last week let's hope that's not another issue that rises up because when you're having difficulties at quarterback the last thing you need is having to worry about the snap Johnny, great stuff as always. We'll catch you tonight on ABC 3340's 10 o'clock sports and throughout the weekend as well. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Absolutely. Johnny Cognon, catch him tonight and all weekend on ABC 3340. Well, we talked Sports Illustrated yesterday because of the resort they're going to build in Tuscaloosa, but we'll talk to Sports Illustrated's local guy, that's Chris Walsh, from Bama Central when we get back on Big Noon Sports presented by Haiti Sansing Union Hall Morgan. Hey, Jim. Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. With Lars Anderson, Justin Jones, and myself, Matt Coulter, and being joined now by Chris Walsh from Bama Central, your SI destination here in the state of Alabama, and anywhere you want to dial them up, they're there. Uh, Chris, it's been a while. Catch us up to date. How are you and the kids and the dog? <laughs> uh, the dog's fine. <laughs> that's a great answer what a loaded question that's that is great. a uh that is a dad struggling with having young kids yeah yours are young, as young as lars are aren't they well, younger maybe younger but, um, we've got um 
unfortunately, the oldest one is turning six over the weekend. And then uh, the youngest is turning three in about a month. I can't believe your oldest is turning six, man. Oh, yeah, because, you know, my, my daughters are six. So, yeah, you and I, uh, I don't know, we either we did it right or wrong, but we both did it the same way. And that was we waited till late in life to have children. <laughs> and there are consequences to be paid. I hope yeah. we're both just still cognizant to understand the beauty of grandchildren, but that's the furthest thing from y'all's mind right yeah. now. But that's where I am. S- survive in advance day at a time. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, all right, Chris, everybody we bring on, first question we ask, how about the handling of the Alabama quarterback situation? What you think? Uh, you know, I, it's it's definitely fair and worthwhile, I think, to, to kind of question how – Alabama, uh, Nick Saban handled this. Um, the the thing is, though, if if you would ask me six months, how is this going to play out? I would have nailed it almost exactly. And and I'm not saying that to make myself sound good. It's just if if we go, you'll go back and you see how he had dealt with the situation previously. Um, there were some very obvious common themes that common things and common things that, that he was going to do. And it's just, that's just the way he is. I mean, it, it, Nick Saban is, is a, it, we always talk about it, is a creature of habit. But if you had asked me six months ago, I would have said, Milrow's going to go into the fall as the guy to beat. He's probably going to struggle some. Um, they're going to give two or three guys a chance. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the team is going to be vulnerable at the beginning of the season. And then if it comes together, they're going to be really, really good by the end of the season. Um, now that's a big if, but uh, the thing that the big monkey wrench to me isn't necessarily with the quarterback situation. It's what's happened with the offensive line. I never would have guessed that they would have struggled like this, even though there's a freshman at left tackle and you've got, you know, a couple new guys also in the mix. That has really kind of muddied the water in my mind because it's been it's made it a, harder to get a read on, um, you know, what these guys are doing and what they need to do because, you know, you throw in the box snaps and all, all that. It's just like, you know, you can't help but sit there and go, what the heck is going on? Um, because it looks so uncharacteristic for for Alabama and for a Nick Saban team. Um, just about 25 minutes ago, Nick Saban was on the Pat McAfee show. He was asked about Jalen Milrow, and he said, quote, he has nothing to prove. He's our guy. Um, and w- what's interesting to me is uh, that, you know, it's usually how these quarterback battles have gone in the past. It's the, the quarterback has to win over the team. Mm-hmm. Well, it was interesting that Nick Saban used the word earned, that Jalen Milrow earned the right to be the starter. And he earned that right as he was on the sideline. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and so there's a little disconnect there. But does, does you think Coach Saban has to do things a little bit different because he realizes that this uncertainty at quarterback may be infecting this team with a larger illness, so to speak, and everybody just needs to know, here's our quarterback, and today he came out, here's our number two, 
And by extension, here's our number three. So all quarterback questions have been resolved, and I don't think Jalen is going to have to look over his shoulder, right, if he throws a pick. But just how it's shaken out here in the last couple of days, has it surprised you, and, and does it reveal anything larger about this team? Well, <clears throat> I, I think there's definitely something to that. And, you know, when you talk about – see. David, with his quarterbacks, he he doesn't want there to be that decision where he has to say that kind of thing. He wants it to be, he wants it so it's so obvious that everyone can say, oh, that's the guy, you know. Um, and and I think with this situation, you can't quite do that with Milrow, although you can do it to the point of, oh, he's the best guy. He's the best option out of the three. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, the problem is, and this is where he has to really be careful with what he says and how he he um, how he kind of talks about it is the problem with Melrose. As far as I can tell, the biggest issue that they have with him is his decision making. They can't say that. They can't sit there and say, you know, it's it's you got to build the guy up. You got to give him confidence. You got to you got to get him reps. You got to you, you got to have it to the point where. It, it's, he's not going to be scared to throw the ball or second guessing himself. It's got to be a quick, okay, that's the guy I'm going to, and you make the throw, and, that, and that's it. Um, that, so it's, it's, he, he's not going to say that. He's not going to say anything that's going to make his quarterback either, you know, sound not the guy or make him second guess himself. And that's the problem with this guy, I think. But, you know, and, and a lot of it just has, hopefully, you know, if I'm an Alabama fan, I'm sitting there saying, well, it's just be- it's because of inexperience. It's because, you know, this was, he said, only a couple of starts. I did a story a couple of weeks ago where I I came out and I, I was just, look, it's not fair to compare them to the last four quarterbacks because, you know, they, they're all in the NFL, they're all starting. That's not a fair thing to do. But you go back and you look at those guys, every single one of them had a rough start, you know, right after they got the job. Uh, the first big test was a tough one kind of thing. And it, it obviously was for him. I mean, Texas is a good team. I, 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 no one can argue that point at, any, anymore. And, you know, he had two interceptions. They were bad interceptions. But you look at the rest of the game, and especially you put it into context with offensive line issues, those, you know, the snap issues that they had. I mean, that was between the stacks and the snaps, that was a, basically a fourth of his plays. You know, it, it, it really kind of minimized, um, you know, your sample size, if you will. But, yeah, Nick's got to be careful with what, he, with, with what he says and what he does. And now he's got to have this team rally around this guy. Uh, I, I think part of the reason why he did what he did last week and going with Simpson and, and Buckner, just to, part of it was just to say, okay, now we all know. Now we've all seen it. You guys got to rally around, the, you know, the guys, you know, the guy who's best for the job, and we all know who that is now. Chris Walsh from Bama Central is our guest here on Big News Sports. Chris, um, looking back after what Saban has said about Jalen Milrow, it's even more difficult to understand why he didn't take a single snap in Tampa. Um, have you got any thoughts on that? I think he knew that they were going to win that game, period, either way. And if they they couldn't find a way to win it well, then, you know, they don't deserve to be even thinking about trying to win the division, um, much less the national championship. I, I, I honestly think a lot of it was just he wanted there to be 
here's our here's our other options you know and it's it's out there for for, for the world to see uh so i you know i kind of wonder if there was maybe something a little bit extra going on you know under the scene but i haven't heard of anything so unless i i i can get that i'm i'm not gonna assume that there was something wrong with mill rope um I think it goes back to, you know, building, you know, getting the team to to, to rally around one guy is is the primary aim of that. Um, I mean, it's Simpson. Simpson, I think, took five sacks. Um, I don't think, you know, there. I think it was all five sacks were against Simpson, if if, if I'm right. So, it's, it's. I like Simpson. I think he's got a lot of potential. Uh, he's a scrappy player, but it's it's you know he's young. He's really young, and and he's got to grow into it a little bit more if they can. But he's the backup, and he deserves to be the backup. So there's also the whole thing that I think to be said for sometimes you can learn a lot by just sitting and watching, and and you know listening on the headset, knowing the play call, watch someone else do it. Uh, I there might have been a little bit of that, but it's. I think it was mostly just because I, I think Saban wanted to give all three guys a chance and he wanted to see how the team was going to react to all three guys. And like I said before, he wanted it to be a situation where there really was no decision to be made. And now we're to that point. Chris, um, where would you rank this game against Ole Miss? in terms of uh, importance of uh, <laughs> an SEC opener in, since Nick Saban became head coach at Alabama? Yeah, pretty important. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's up there. Yeah, um, but, you know, it's, it is up there. It is really important. But, you know, it's also true that we could almost say that about almost every single year. Um, it, it, the, the one difference, obviously, is they've got that, They've got that loss already pinned to them, and everyone knows that it's almost impossible, you know, for them to make the playoffs if they lose one more game. We learned that last year, um, which, you know, I, I'm still kind of irked at the playoff committee, uh, playoff um, committee, and, and officials because all along they kept saying it's going to be the best four teams, it's going to be the best four teams, and that was their big selling point. And then we get to a year where. It wasn't the best four teams. It was the four more, most deserving teams, and there's a difference with that. Um, so, if that team last year, with a guy off the Heisman Trophy, couldn't get Alabama in with two losses, it'd be really, really hard for this team. Unless, I mean, we have absolute chaos. Although the way the season has started, it's it's looking like it's going to be an absolute chaos kind of season. Um, so yeah, Alabama's margin of error is probably gone. Really needs this win. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter if it's one point, if it's forty points. They got to find a way to win this game, and they've got to find. They got to have something that they can build on for the rest of the SEC schedule. Chris, can you hang on through the break and uh, let us ask you about your new resort that you're opening up in 2025? Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so cool, man. All right. Um, that's Chris Walsh from Bama Central. Look him up, dial him up, and uh, read him. He's got the uh, largest staff covering Alabama sports in the world, literally. Uh, we'll be back with more Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. 
next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson. Tune in Friday, 7.30. We'll talk to Russell Bibbon. We'll find out what's going on up in Knoxville with the Tennessee Volunteers. Also, Sonny Smith will join us at 8.15. We'll look back at Dad's Blue Plate Special and get you ready for the weekend. Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon with a partly sunny sky, the high today 85. Tonight, mostly fair with the low at 65. And the weather stays rain-free tomorrow and Saturday, partly to mostly sunny both days with highs between 84 and 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 86 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Indeed it is. Thanks for dialing us in on this sunny, sunny Thursday afternoon. It is absolutely a beautiful day. And one of the ways you're going to be able to spend these beautiful days in the near future, and I don't mean immediate because uh, I saw the report last night on television that the complete construction of the uh, the Sports Illustrated Resort, Sports Resort, may not be until 2025. But what I've seen so far... Chris is pretty spectacular, and I'm assuming that you will have the presidential suite for life. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I joked with my staff. Um, I wonder if I wonder if they uh, we could talk about a call it Obama Central. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, yeah, big deal. It's it's. Let me ask right you real quick. The- did, did you know about this? May I ask that? Well, we, we, we posted the story probably um, simultaneously as the release came out, um, okay. but they gave me a heads up the night before, um, really late, which was incredibly challenging because I'm coming off eye surgery and I wasn't supposed to be doing anything at that point. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to start typing. It, it took me hours just to, to, to get that thing uh, typed up, but... Um, it, it was funny. I gave my staff a heads up, and they pretty much all had the same reaction I did of, what? <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's located right across the river, uh, the, the Black Warrior River. It's right on the water. Great location. I mean, really great location. I mean, it's, it's, you could almost, um, you know, with a... You'll be able to hear the softball stadium. I'm, I'm pretty pretty sure um, that's how close it's going to be to campus. And if they get the basketball arena built, it's going to be just right across the way. So just to give everyone an idea of, of where it's going to be. Um, you know, and looking at what they've done with the, the two resorts that have opened up, or one resort's opened up, there's another one that's, that's opening up next year in Orlando. 
uh, it's going to be impressive. And, you know, Tuscaloosa, I mean, you think of it, it's, it's, you know, with all the renovations that they're trying to do, the things that are going on downtown, you know, Saban's even investing money into hotels around here. Um, I, I thought that the transformation of, of Tuscaloosa was uh, pretty elaborate before, you know, we get the Nick Saban Center opening up downtown. It's, it's, this town's not going to look like anything that we even recognize in, in about five years. Yeah, um, that's exciting. It's really exciting, and I I, I, I can't wait. Um, okay, bigger picture, Chris. Okay. Uh, something is wrong with this Alabama team. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, is it assistant coaches that have left? I mean, you, you go from... Lane Kiffin to, uh, you know, uh, Bill o Sark, Bill O'Brien, all these guys have been head coaches before to Tommy Reese. And I know Tommy Reese has become kind of a punching bag, and that's not fair. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, is, it, is it has finally the defection of assistant coaches hurting? Is it NIL? Is it transfer portal? Uh, because clearly Alabama doesn't have the depth of talent that uh, that that we're accustomed to seeing, and uh, and you know it's abundantly obvious to anyone who pays attention that uh, that look uh, a, a lot of college football is caught up with Alabama. So if you were to write a story about what in the world has happened. What would be some of the reasons that you would point to, or and what maybe would be reason number one? First thing I would point to is kind of what you alluded to. It's just it's turnover. It's um it, because it's been you know it, it. I know it's like people are like oh well they they lose a lot every single year. Yeah, I mean that should tell you how this should tell you how hard it's been for Alabama to have the consistency it's had year in or out, challenging for national championships despite all the turnover. Um, and it's not just coaches, it's, you know, players, and like you mentioned, the transfer portal is now in there. And it takes it takes time for to get 11 guys all on the same page and have all the jobs won and have, you know, the reserves step it in. And, you know, and it's always fluid because you, you have, you've got injuries and, and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, there's a reason why veteran teams with lots of guys returning, you know, and a lot of experience um, always do well, you know, for the, for the most part. And there's always that team that you sit there and go, wow, they're so good. And then you look and you see they're full of seniors and they've got guys who have been in the system for three, four years. And, you know, they haven't lost their coordinators. They don't have NFL draft, you know, uh, guys going to the NFL draft left and right. Uh, it's It's hard. And I, I really, really hope when, when all this is all said and done that that's where people kind of learn something um, because it's just it's so knee jerk right now. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it when I heard after the Texas game. Some, I heard people like Saban's lost it. He, he obviously needs to go. It's like, are you insane? You know, you've got the best coach in yes, college football are. and you're sitting there telling me that that you've lost it. You've lost him because of, you know, one loss. Like, come on. Um, and, and nobody ever gives credit, gives credit to the opposition either, you know? I mean, they're spending their whole year trying to figure out how are we going to beat Alabama. And, 
you know, Texas is good. I mean, Texas is what number three right now in in, in the polls. Uh, Sark is a heck of a coach, and Alabama was really lucky to win that game last year. And it, kind of touching on what we were we were talking about before, Milrow's numbers against Texas were better than Bryce Young's numbers against Texas. The only difference in the games was the fact that you know Alabama Alabama um, you know won one, lost the other. And granted, he had the two interceptions, which you know. Now, they were big, but I'm talking overall numbers. Um, so anyways, it's, it's, for me, that's number one, first and foremost. And at, at this point, I think Alabama is, you know, they're trying to circle the wagons. They're trying to find their identity. Um, I, I think run the ball is going to be a big theme, <laughs> you know, from, from here on. Uh, they've got to avoid mistakes. This this is a good test, though, because, I mean, Ole Miss' offense, they've got almost everyone back. And, you know, Lane is a heck of a play caller, just like Sark is. And I'm sure he sat there and studied the living daylights out of everything that Sark did. And they're going to see everything that Texas did and was successful with, plus a, a few more things. So this is a very good test. Chris Walsh from Bama Central. Who's the best team in college football right now? <laughs> Jeez. I mean, my initial reaction is we don't know. Uh, default, I'd have to go with Georgia just because um, they've got the talent. They're the two-time reigning champions. Um, if the college football playoff committee was meeting right now I don't know if they have a number one but they definitely have them in the top four um, but yeah they didn't exactly impress me against South Carolina so I, it's to be determined you know October is kind of where we always kind of get that separation and start figuring all that out I, I don't think there's a best team right now um, I've watched a little of Colorado. I'm not, I, I, people telling me it's like, oh, Colorado, the next, the next big thing. Colorado's going to lose probably three out of the next four. There's a reason they're a 20.5 dog, uh, at Oregon. (laughs) Oregon's going to stomp them. They they might. And it's, I mean, look, Dion is probably number one motivator in football. The guy is, is amazing that way, but, um, it's uh, he's been kind of doing it with smoke signals and so forth, and and he's got some really good assistant coaches. Sal Sinceri's on that staff. I, I love Sal, um, and it, it's just yeah. I, I think I think they're about to get it. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Um, hey, just real quick before uh, we get to the top of the hour. Um, your expectations for how Alabama is going to play, uh, you know, uh, all evidence to the contrary for the last two weeks. I think Alabama is going to come out and play really well. It's just a gut feeling. Nick Saban, I've never seen his teams play three poor games in a row where there's poor effort. Uh, your, your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I think it's it's hopefully they're going to be a little bit more zeroed in. And uh, I think the play calling is going to be trying to magnify that a little bit. Um, you know, Lane's going to go for the throat. He should. I mean, I, he's Lane. Of course he's kind of going to. Um, I I think they're going to be like, we're going to shove the ball down your throat, stop us. And I think it's going to work. So, uh, you know, I want to see this team with an attitude. You know, remember that whole thing about, you know, the granted it was a leading question, but the whole murder ball thing, let's see it. 
you know, show it to us. Yeah. Love to see him just uh, run the football like we expected going into the season, especially with this uh, very hyped offensive line. But uh, we'll see. I got a feeling it's going to be a shootout, Chris. You want to tell everybody what you got going on at um, Bama Central before we let you go? Sure, sure. Um, Bama Central, we're your Sports Illustrated home for resorts and all things Crimson (laughs) Tide. Um, we've got a nice little package. We talked to uh, Scott Hunter uh, earlier this week. That, that's on our site right now. We also talked to Jay Coker. We got some on him coming tomorrow. And then we're going to have full coverage from Brian Denny, like always. Um, and and busy, busy, busy. So And then basketball practice starts on Monday. Oh, that's a topic we'll have to broach next week. Hopefully after a... Alabama gets a much-needed win over Ole Miss. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Take care of that eye, their dog, the kids, and not in that order. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> thank you, Chris. Thank you Thank you on short notice. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Um, good guy. And got a hell of an organization going over there with uh, Bama Central. Um, what is Reese Davis, who's an Alabama graduate, uh, born and raised in North Alabama, what does he think the SEC needs to do? Maybe you've seen this. Maybe you haven't. We're going to talk about it on the other side of the top of the hour. It's halftime on Big Noon Sports, brought to you by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. It's the Tide 100.9 30K Workday Payday. Win cash every weekday, 8 to 5. Here's this hour's cash code. 489. Again, that's 489. The code is 489. Enter that code now on the Tide 100.9 app. Click on the 30K Payday button and enter the code for a chance to win $30,000. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley Sansing. And you got the guys here on a Thursday afternoon. It's Matt and Lars. Justin is our producer. We get so consumed, and obviously so, because we're based out of Tuscaloosa. We talk a lot about Alabama football. But moving away for just a segment or two, because we've got uh, Charlie Potter, uh, who's a beat writer in Alabama and a former student, and then uh, also we got Reagan Spick coming up this hour as well. But I saw an article today. Reese Davis says that uh, as far as the SEC is concerned, they need to focus on expansion. And I kind of think this too, Lars. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, yeah, I, um, I, I think they should because, uh, but, but you know, SEC is in very capable hands with Greg Sankey, and uh, but I do think they need to keep an eye on what the Big Ten is doing, 
And the fact that they've been able to add USC, UCLA, and now Oregon and Washington, you get the four most uh, valuable sort of uh, uh, products, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, out of uh, out of the uh, West Coast into the fold of the of the Big Ten, and so how is that going to impact the SEC? I I'm, I was somewhat surprised in the off season that uh, there wasn't a counter move to the Oregon Washington edition uh, by the SEC. I mean, I was thinking Florida State, maybe Clemson. I don't know, uh, but. Uh, you know that uh, Greg Sankey is on top of this, and, and we had a extended discussion yesterday with uh, Anna Slive, uh, the, the the daughter of uh, the late great Mike Slive, longtime SEC commissioner, and and we we talked about Greg and just how Greg is in a lot of ways a spitting image of uh, of, uh, of of Mike Slive, and so uh, I, I think. Uh, you know, there's no reason to panic, but I, I, um, I agree with Reese Davis. How, how about you? Yeah, uh, and you know, Sankey's been very, very careful about how he worded his responses to the questions because at the time he was asked a couple of months ago, you know, that's when we were in this chaos, and we're still involved in the chaos as far as the other conferences are concerned. But I think his statements make it very, very clear what you just said. Hey, we're the SEC. Um, we're fine. We're okay with where we are. But I think moving forward, as we do to, I think, three major conferences, um, I guess behind the scenes, Lars, we don't know what's going on. And I'll give you a perfect example. Oklahoma, Texas. <laughs> Nobody knew that was coming. So yeah. the SEC's got to be working behind the scenes. And I, I think personally and professionally that two of the teams – they're probably looking at calling, making overtures uh, would be playing this week. And that's Florida State and Clemson leading to the discussion on that game. But uh, there are others. Uh, I like the sound of North Carolina. Um, if they're going to continue to grow and maybe get to 20, um, I, I'm, I like the idea of Florida State and Clemson. But that, that would totally decimate the ACC, who is uh, really – you know they're fighting hard to keep their deal alive. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I just I don't see. I can't believe I'm saying this. I just don't see the ACC surviving, and uh, you know because we heard from the president of Florida State uh, this off season, late in the off season, saying they basically have a wandering eye and they're looking to get out and they're looking for. Um, you know, a, a new long-term partner. And um, I, I, at that point, I, I thought, man, what if the Big Ten goes in and goes after Florida State? Um, so in, in, in the Big 12, it looks uh, pretty strong moving forward. Uh, certainly the Big Ten, the Big Ten's not going anywhere. The SEC's not going anywhere. I think it's going to be, it'll be down to three, or maybe it'll stick at four, and then there's a, a, a big-time consensus of, uh, of how to restructure, not, not college sports, but just college football, right, and, 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 and make it a mirror of sort of the NFL 
with you have uh, you know uh, two division or two conferences, and within the conferences you have you know three to four divisions. But what's really uh, I hate to use the word ironic because everybody misuses that word. But what uh, what is just incredible is that what team what or what conference right now? Would you say is the best top to bottom in the country? It's the Pac-12. Yeah, it's the Pac-12. It's 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 the conference that is uh, okay. that 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 went poof right before our eyes this off season. Well, do you think we'll be saying that this time next month? Yeah, I really? do. Well, I mean, they're I mean, look, they're all playing each. I mean, they're going to cannibalize each other, just like the SEC is going to do, and the. I don't know. Florida State looks like they're head and shoulders above uh, everyone else, and that, that's in the ACC, and that, that's what makes this uh, Florida State Clemson game uh, on Saturday so fascinating. Because if Florida State wins this game, it's almost like they can write their ticket to uh, to um, the uh, college football playoffs. And I, I really like their quarterback a lot. I think Florida State is going to make a statement on Saturday. Um, and we are going to get into uh, a couple different games with Reagan here, the owner of R&R Cigars, um, uh, at uh, about 145. And the games that we're going to be looking at, Matt, is uh, Florida State at Clemson. Florida State's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Colorado at Oregon. Oregon is a 20.5 favorite, 20.5 points. Uh, and then here closer to home, Auburn at AM. AM is a seven and a half point favorite. And then Ole Miss at Alabama. Alabama is now down to just a seven point favorite. And you have a lot That's of nat- six and a half. Well, yeah, it, it may be. It, it just it, yeah. it varies by the by the sports book, but uh uh, clearly, it, it's come down quite a bit. I think it opened at 11. I uh, could be wrong on that, but uh, it's come down, and which is really odd. Alabama spreads usually don't come down. They go up because uh, so many people in the, who are Alabama fans bet, and they bet on Alabama, which sort of artificially causes a spread to go up because, uh, you know, Vegas isn't interested in and necessarily uh, believing that that they're going to win by that amount of money or that amount of points, but they're interested in making money. And so they want to get the spread that reflects the amount of money that's coming in. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. And I was just looking at um, Pac-10 teams that are ranked. You got USC, you got Washington, you got Oregon all in the top 10. Um, are they beating uh, Georgia? Um, uh, maybe. I don't know. What does Georgia show D? Georgia was down 14 to three at home against South Carolina. Um, I don't know, but I, I, what I'm saying is top to bottom. Yeah, I think from Georgia down and then who's this, who's the second best team well, in the SEC? Who's the second best team in the SEC right now? Oh, uh, you know, I guess I'd probably lean towards LSU. Um, but who's the third? Who's, who's the third best team? Um, 
Would I be crazy if I said Alabama? Yeah. What about you? <laughs> I don't even know. Hey, I'm going to go. Uh, how about Auburn? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. No, I don't. No, Matt, just because I, I don't know what we're going to get out of Alabama. I think they're going to play well on Saturday, but, you know, it, it goes back to what we've been talking about this entire week. There is more uncertainty about how Alabama is going to perform in this game than any game I can recall since 2007. Nick Saban's first year. I just, I have no idea. Alabama dropped three by winning a game 17-3 on the road. That's what the Associated Press thinks about them. Of course, the coaches didn't drop them, but they dropped them two slots. uh, They were a 33-point favorite. Of course they're going to drop. I mean, they looked awful, too. So (laughs) they didn't pass the eye test. I mean, Uh, don't you think Alabama deserved a drop? Oh, yeah. I just, my comment is that's what everybody else is thinking, too, that Alabama's not the Alabama of old. Um, But, you know, I'm a half-glass-full guy, and I think they're going to come out and play very well against Ole Miss. I do, too. I I don't think this game's going to be decided (laughs) until perhaps even the final whistle. Because um, Alabama's going to have to outscore Ole Miss, and um, that's going to require, I think, a couple of really spectacular plays defensively. Pick, force fumble, something like that. And it's essential to win the special teams game, which uh, yep. is up for a fumble, uh, a muff. Uh, Kool-Aid. Need Kool-Aid. Great. Yep. great. Need, Kool-Aid to, need Kool-Aid to come up big in the punt return game. That'd be great. That's what they're going to need it on all three fronts. Hey, when we get back, Charlie Potter from Bama Online on Three Sports is going to join us right here on Big News Sports. Finding great camp. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon with a partly sunny sky, the high today 85. Tonight, mostly fair with the low at 65. And the weather stays rain-free tomorrow and Saturday, partly to mostly sunny both days with highs between 84 and 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 86 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley Sansing. That's us. It's Big Noon Sports. I'm Matt Coulter, along with Lars Anderson and Justin Jones. Joining us now is Charlie Potter, who has been covering Alabama football and men's basketball since 2013. He's now a senior team writer for Bama Online and On3 Sports. Charlie, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. So first question, um, how has it been this year covering Alabama football as opposed to other years. And I know every season is unique, but this seems, uh, you know, off the charts since uh, you started covering them, right, in the sort of the, the middle of the, the great years. And what has it been like this year for you and, 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 and just your interactions with fans and just the general feeling around the team? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the fans and the general feeling right now is not too positive, um, especially with someone that works at a site with a message board. Um, you know, they've been they've been at full force, I guess, the last two weeks, uh, you know, after the loss of Texas and then a, a poor showing at South Florida. But I think from a coverage standpoint, um, it hasn't been too, too different. I mean, there's a lot of similarities from this season to the 2015 season with, you know, the quarterback change, um, you know, that early season loss, you know, that one being to Ole Miss, which is not something you want to hear this week, but, you know, you compare it to um, to Texas and, you know, that team turned out to be a pretty good one. So I think for Alabama, though, there's just, there's still a lot of question marks at this point in the season, um, whether it's a quarterback on the offensive line, the offense in general, just the identity of this team uh, is still taking shape. And, you know, this week's a big week for them to respond. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they look and what they do. Um, but it's not, it's not too, too different. I mean, I guess this early in the season to have such, um, kind of uh, poisonous takes from from fans is a little different but you know, they've the success that Alabama's had over the course of you know my tenure to cover the team and since Nick Saban got to town um, the expectations are sky high and so whenever those aren't met or whenever there are poor performances you're going to get some of the reactions like we have Hey Charlie talk positive what's what's good about Alabama right now I think there's actually a lot. Um, I know a lot of people point to this past week and say it's, you know, one of the, the worst performances they've seen. And I, I think offensively you can definitely make a claim for that. But I thought the defense played well, um, only giving up three points. Uh, and that was on a short field from the special teams mistake. So I, I think the, the pressure needs to be a little bit more consistent. They need to get home on the quarterback more because I think they could have had maybe even double the amount of stacks they had in the game at USF. Probably not that many because the drives would have uh, stalled for the Bulls, but um, they were able to allow uh, Byron Brown to escape the pocket a little bit. Um, but I, I think the defense has played well. Uh, at least they played better this past week uh, from a you know from a front seven to secondary standpoint. And I think, I think the specialists have been um, all SEC, maybe even at an all-American level. You know, we know what Will Riker brings to the table. But James Burnham's had a hell of a start to the season. You know, he's averaging, I think, over 46 uh, yards a punt. You know, we've seen him bomb a few of them. And to have that in a year where your offense is struggling, that's key. You know, field position's key. And so I, I think for him to be playing well in year three in the program is, is coming at a good time. So I think just if the offense can get things rolling, if they can simplify things, if the offensive line can be – what they talked about being if they can be cleaner in, in pass protection and then, you know, you get more consistent play from the quarterback position. I think this team can be really good. It's just right now the bright spots have been, uh, at least this past week, the defense, and then for really all three games, the, the specialists. Um, Charlie, uh, just in looking at how Nick Saban has managed the quarterback situation, uh, one, were you surprised that Jalen was benched and surprised that he didn't play at all last week? And were you surprised at the performance of <laughs> of, uh, of the two backups, uh, Simpson and Buckner? And then finally, were you surprised that Nick came out and said on Monday that Jalen is the starter from now on going forward? I think my level of surprise kind of goes in order of how it played out. Um, I, I think that Jalen not playing in the game 
um, given everything that's been said and now that we've learned from uh, this past week and the game itself makes some sense. And you know, that's a game Alabama, you know, Nick Saban is not going to say this. It's not what he preaches. It's not what he said since he got here. That's a game Alabama um, was expected to win and win handily. So to give an opportunity to the other guys, it, it makes some sense. Now, was I surprised that Tyler Butner played so poorly? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, they brought him in for a reason. Obviously, it was late in the in the season or late in the off season, at least. And uh, but I mean, you know, he was skipping past this wide receiver. There were some bad uh, plays in that one. I didn't think Ty Simpson played that poorly. You know, he's the one that was on their Steven end of those five sacks. So, um, you know, maybe he could have got them in better pass protection and alignment up front, but. Uh, you know, I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, but I think Monday, Nick Saban just coming out and naming Jalen starter, I wasn't expecting that. You know, I'm, I think, or I like to think of myself as a organized, prepared individual. I didn't have any kind of Jalen Milrow story ready for Monday. So that one kind of took me by surprise. But given everything that's been said, um, the frustrations that Jalen might have had, uh, with the decision to go with the other guys and then his response afterwards, and we saw him being a real leader on the sideline. Uh, in Tampa, I, I think it all it all kind of makes sense. Now, will the the strategy and and how they've gone about it will it pay off? That remains to be seen. But you know, Nick Saban's spoken really highly about Jalen this week. Heck, he was on the, even on the the Pat McAfee show just a little bit ago, saying how um, you know he's got nothing to prove. He's our guy, and he's the guy that he has confidence in right now. So um, you know, Jalen Moto is going to have an opportunity to bounce back this week, and you know, right now, Ty Simpson's the number two quarterback and you know, we'll see if that remains to be the case but I think this is a situation that right now seems to be resolved but again like Nick Saban preached all, all off season long really is that this is a competition that he wants to continue to see throughout the year and he wants guys to, to make improvements as the year goes along Charlie Potter, writer for Bama Online on three sports, University of Alabama beat writer. Uh, he is our guest on Big Noon Sports. You remember Pat? You, uh, you mentioned Pat McAfee. I was very curious as to why he decided to start doing this on a weekly basis, and then suddenly the old man woke up and said, "Well, he's just trying to get to the younger generation, and it all makes sense." But we can't listen or watch that show because we are actually on the air. Um, <laughs> Do you have anything else to share that, uh, of note that he talked about with McAfee uh, this afternoon? Well, I mean, I think in addition to, like you said, reaching a younger audience, I'm sure Nick Saban was compensated pretty pretty nicely to make those weekly appearances. I think that probably had something to do with it, too. But, um, you know, it's uh, the, the biggest takeaway was the Jalen talk. I mean, I think the first question out of the gate was about Lane Kiffin this week. That's always what it's going to be about. But... Um, I'm trying to look back of what I had typed out. Um, you know, one thing that he talked about later um, was, you know, his his affinity for coaching defensive backs. And I think the, the quote was, you know, one of the things he's always tried to do is to be his best assistant. And, um, you know, I think for a coach that's had longevity and consistency that Nick Saban's had, um, you know, the mentors he's had, the lessons he learned along the way, uh, you know, he, I've heard, I hear him talk multiple times a week, and he starts to retell a lot of stories. But that it makes a lot of sense with how hands-on he is with the defensive backs. Um, you know, he's a guy that likes to be you know in those meetings, and you know he's going to patrol and watch over the whole team. But he's very much um, there and, and hands-on with those guys. So to hear that he 
you know, to in order to be a successful head coach, you have to be your best assistant, I think is key. And, you know, he talked about the team as a whole, um, you know, how much faith and confidence he has in them. And I'm sure Alabama fans are kind of tired of hearing that. But, you know, he's been steadfast in that. And, you know, this is it's something that when he speaks, it's going to be on TV. You know, it's going to be on social media. Those players are going to see that. And I, I think that helps. But you know, for the most part, uh, you know, the biggest takeaway was the, the Milrose stuff. And the quarterback talk is what kind of dominated the week. Yeah, and sticking with uh, uh, Jalen Milroe, um, do you think Nick Saban is going to be more actively involved in the game planning with Tommy Reese? And uh, just based on some of the comments that uh, Nick has made this week, it, 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 he didn't necessarily overtly indicate it, but uh, in a in, in a subtle way, that's the, what the message I got. And uh, do you think that's going to is accurate? And, and two, uh, what are you hoping? Like, if you're an Alabama fan, or you're uh, on the, on that staff, like, I don't know. What what are you hoping to see out of Tommy Reese in the play calling this week? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Nick Saban is going to come in there and you know snatch away the, the the clipboard from Tommy Reese. I do think that he he has input and always does, but. I'm kind of surprised that they haven't, that we haven't seen them uh, play more to Jalen's strength. You know, he's a phenomenal athlete. Uh, Nick Saban's even said it himself. He might be the fastest player on the team. You know, he has an explosive ability as a runner. And the fact that we haven't seen more design runs with him is kind of surprising, especially in these big games. Because with a guy that, you know, is, is still developing as a passer, I think, you know, he has a cannon of an arm. He's made some nice plays. But, you know, the intermediate throws that haven't been there, um, you can open some of those up whenever you're you know dialing up some runs for him to uh, make plays with his legs. So I think that I think also just helping out the offensive linemen. Um, you know I don't think they need to be in any kind of you know, seven eight man protection all the time. But you know, Caden Proctor has struggled the last couple of weeks. Alabama's given up ten sacks up front. Four of those have been on the true freshman. And so I think that if you know, give him a tight end or you know, the, the protections just need to be uh, better, not only from an offensive line standpoint, but Jalen Milrow needs to recognize that at the line. So it's it's not – I don't think there needs to just be drastic changes. I think, you know, some, some zone reads, throwing in some RPOs. Um, you know, Nick Saban's talked about play-action passes. If you can just do some of those things to where you're creating um, some problems for the defense, making them think – I think that can help Jalen Miller out a ton because the wide receivers have played well. The guys around him have played well. So if they can get that rolling, I think this offense can, can take the next step forward. Hey, Charlie, you want to hang around and talk about some other games or uh, are you pressed for time? Uh, I mean, I'm not an expert on other games, but uh, I can stick around. Yeah, we'll just wait, wait. Ole Miss then. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you're listening to Big Noon Sports. More Charlie Potter in just a moment. To win. Touchdown, Alabama! Built for championships. Throws intercepted Alabama. Built by Bama. Alabama is still Alabama. The Crimson Tide play here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide kick off SEC play against Ole Miss. Our coverage begins at 11:30 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner too. From our home. From T-Town to the Plains.
Woods. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It's Matt Coulter's 29th birthday. Going strong, baby. I still, I can still tee it up. It's not, I'm not bringing it at 99 anymore, but. Uh, yeah, you're I, also, hey man, you're in golf. You're hitting from the tips. You're uh, <laughs> as sharp as ever. Uh, may we all have as much fun in our lives as you have in yours. Oh, you have, man, you've I've, packed you've packed a lot of the great experiences into your years, my friend. So happy happy birthday, truly. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, I've, God has blessed me more than any man ever deserved. But uh, I really like it. Got a great family. Got great friends. You guys are included certainly in that, and I, I appreciate that. And uh, around two oh five, there might be a cold beverage in my hand. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it is a good day. I want to go see my grandkids and my kids. So that's good. Thank you for bringing that up. Appreciate it. Charlie Potter from Bama Online on 3 Sports is our guest. Charlie, uh, tell everybody what you're working on and how they can actually directly find you and read you. First off, happy birthday. Uh, well, thank you, Charlie. That was a nice little intro there. But uh, for me, uh, my big story has already been posted uh, for the week. So I'm going to try to sail into to Saturday. Uh, I, I reached out to Cole Kublik. Um, earlier this week and you know just wrote a what's wrong with the offensive line story uh, I think that's one of the biggest questions for for Alabama fans you know you whether on Twitter on the message board really anywhere uh, you can kind of uh, get a an idea of, of what's bothering them or concerning them and outside of quarterback I think offensive lines right up there so that was posted yesterday uh, I'll be on you know covering the the radio show tonight and we'll have You'll continue coverage tomorrow and of course be at the game Saturday and you know, I'll post my stuff and Travis Ryer, Clint Lamb, all their stuff. Uh recruiting. It looks like Alabama could get some good basketball news here in a little bit. Uh, that'll be all over at BamaOnline.com. What were your takeaways from your reporting on uh your story on the, the state of Alabama's offensive line? Yeah, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about a little bit ago. It's just um it's not the offensive line hasn't played great um you know make no mistake about that but they could use some help um some of it is kind of formationally or you know the the way that the offense is being called i think it's kind of a collective uh, thing i think you know the running backs haven't been great in pass pro um you know quarterbacks again being able to read things and get them in the right alignment it, it's been a collective effort but I think there were really high expectations for this group, and, and Cole is one of those guys kind of leading the charge there. And he's someone that, you know, I mean, he's he's great at what he does when it comes to evaluating offensive linemen. But um, it's it's a situation where everyone needs to be better. And um, I think for them to, you know, they've, they've talked all offseason, really, about being the dominant physical front. And so far... We haven't really seen that. Now, I think they showed glimpses of that late in the USF game. I know some people will point to, to that and be like, well, they should have showed that the whole game against USF because that's a inferior opponent. But I think it's a step in the right direction. Now we'll just see from a pass protection standpoint um, if they can clean some things up, get guys in the right spot, and collectively do a better job. 
How much has the, what appears to be often shuffled, well, it not appears, they're shuffling quarterbacks in and out. They're doing it in practice, too. That's got to have some effect on the O-line, doesn't it, Charlie? Uh, a little bit. Um, you know, those guys will tell you, though, they don't even really look at who's back there. Um, it, it changes some because you look at Jalen and his ability to scramble. Um, you know, that, I don't want to say it makes life harder on an offensive line, but, you know, they're, they're blocking a little longer. And, heck, we've seen um, some guys take off down the field thinking that he's, you know, going to tuck it and run, and he's still trying to make a play with his arm. And uh, Alabama's had some touchdowns wiped away because of penalties. So I think that's probably the biggest difference is just the, the length that you have to block because of uh, Milrow's ability to um, extend plays with his legs. But, you know, for the most part, I mean, it's not like they have just uh, a super short guy back there, a super tall guy back there, and the snaps have to be different or anything like that. It's it's pretty much, you know, status quo with whoever their quarterback. Charlie, uh, once the game kicks off on Saturday in Tuscaloosa, just early on, what what are you going to be looking for for just, uh, you know, keys to whether or not Alabama can win this game, uh, areas where they, you're, where, you know, the coaches are hoping to see improvement, just, uh, just a, a few things that, that your eyes are going to be trained on. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really this way for every game, and it's kind of a lot of what we talked about, but just the play of uh, the guys in line of scrimmage. You know, Alabama needs to be better in pass protection, um, and again, that's kind of a collective effort. But Ole Miss, they've been really good at um, getting after the quarterback this year. I think they have 10 sacks. Uh, they have um, over, you know, six tackles per loss per game. So they're they're creating havoc, and you got to think a guy like Pete Golding is kind of really eager for this matchup and uh, would love to come out of Tuscaloosa with a win. But um, I think if the offensive line can continue to kind of take that positive trajectory that we saw at the end of the USF game and carry it over this week, that'll be big. And then on the other side, um, we saw a a better performance from the defensive front this past game. Um, They were able to get five sacks, but again, they were able to allow Brown to, to get free on some of those. And I think it'll help with probably having Big Jahima Otis back in this game. Uh, you know, that's kind of still a, a game-time decision, so we'll see you know, what happens. But um, I think that if they can get home with some of those stacks, that'll be huge because Jackson Dart's a guy that can extend plays. I think he's actually you know, either fifth or sixth in the SEC in terms of rushing yards per game, so they've been using his legs quite a bit. And if you don't get him on the ground, you know, that can extend drives and, and make you pay later on down the road. So just to play the line of scrimmage, man, uh, the trenches are, are so important. And I, I think that if they can play sound football in those areas, then that'll lead to a lot of potential success for this team on, on Saturday. Charlie, you mentioned Otis. Are there other injuries of note? And what's happened to Justice Haynes? Yeah, the other big one's Tyler Booker, um, the left guard. Uh, he didn't play this past week. He actually suited up, went through warm-ups with the ones, was even a team captain for the game down in Tampa. But then he was dealing with back spasms and didn't play. Um, you know, he gave an update earlier this week that he's feeling better. Um, you know, Nick Saban yesterday, I asked him about both of those guys, Otis and Booker, and he said that they're able to practice. But it was still day-to-day. I'll probably come down to a game-time decision for both. That's typical. You know, Saban talked there. No surprise 
uh, where that's concerned. Um, the other ones, um, Kendrick Law didn't make the trip to Tampa. He was dealing with a sickness, but he's been back at practice. I expect him to be back in the lineup. And he's a guy that can kind of bring that physicality to the wide receiver core. And, you know, as a blocker, talking about a collective effort, I think he can help for sure. Um, and then Justice Haynes, yeah, I mean, Alabama all offseason has really talked about um, that being a strength, uh, that position being a strength. And so far, we've really just seen Jace McClellan and Roy Dell Williams. And Nick Saban last night talked about how he hopes to get more of those guys involved and thinks those guys can make those guys being uh, Justice Haynes and Jam Miller a significant contribution down the road. So it might not happen Saturday, but it sounds like it's a matter of when, not if, they, they get more of those running backs involved in the run game. Charlie, great stuff. Everybody following Bama online. Appreciate it. We'll talk again very soon. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Right. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks. Excellent analysis. Yep. Well, he had, he had good instruction. All right. <laughs> um, and if you're just dialing us in, Charlie Potter is a former student. I can't believe it's been over a decade that Charlie was uh, in my classroom. Man, time flies. Of all days, you're going to tell me that? <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Matt Coulter. Oh, that's not what I was fishing for, but um, I'm fine, man. I'm good. Ah, I'm blessed, man. Hey, uh, let's bring Reagan on. Let's call. Let's do the picks for this upcoming week. That is next on Big Noon Sports. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m., the Martin Houston Show. Join us tomorrow as we will take our score predictions and the tiebreaker will be Miro's passing yards. We'll also look at players of the game and we'll take a jump around the SEC on a free-for-all Friday. Catch the Martin Houston Show from 6 to 7 weekday mornings on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon with a partly sunny sky, the high today 85. Tonight, mostly fair with the low at 65. And the weather stays rain-free tomorrow and Saturday, partly to mostly sunny both days with highs between 84 and 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 86 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Coming up, R&R, Reagan, Reagan's pick as uh, he sits on the porch. Maybe not. He may not be out at the uh, mansion yet uh, and enjoys a nice cigar, a glass of bourbon. He welcomes you to come by anytime. Watch the game Saturday if you don't have tickets. So uh, anyway, Reagan, how you been, man? Hey, man, I am great. I am actually at home right now. Uh, having my coffee and morning cigar <laughs> upstairs in my upstairs in my uh, in my I don't call it a man cave because I feel like that's emasculating but um, <laughs> I have a place in my house that I smoke cigars oh Reagan you're the best <laughs> I'm serious I don't like I don't like the word man cave because it's like it's like oh. saying, yeah, my wife lets me have a room in the house for my stuff. And and it's like, no, I like 
I don't, I, I don't like that. I'm not like. So your I know, whole house yeah, is a man cave. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, it kind of <laughs> is. I mean, honestly, well, you know, like I have my office that's about to be turned into a nursery. I have Raina's <laughs> room. I have the guest room. Uh, it's but, wild how the whole kid thing changes up everything. But you got you got the mansion there. That's uh, yeah. It's not really a man cave. It's uh, no, it's, it's a it's, man mansion. Yeah, it's a man mansion. Yeah, well done. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last week, yours truly went four and zero. Uh, Reagan, you went three and one. Matt, you went two and two against the spread. So for the year, Lars is in the lead at eight and four. Reagan is at seven and five. Matt is at six and six. So I mean, overall, you know, we're, and we're doing I, pretty. And if, and if we didn't have to pick Alabama every week on the show, <laughs> it would be a lot better. It's so true. <laughs> I haven't thought about that. That's great. Yeah, and uh, okay, so here we go. Florida State at Clemson. Florida State is a one and a half point favorite. Reagan, your thoughts? Oh, Florida State, go Knowles. Uh, I know Clemson hasn't lost a home game in like I don't know how it was a lot. I saw the thing earlier today. It's a, it's a long it's a long streak. Um. I don't care that Florida State didn't look good versus Boston College. If you know Boston College, when they do the bandana thing, uh, Boston College is, like, supernatural. Um, and I don't think Clemson's very good. So uh, I like FSU to beat Clemson. Big game for them to, you know, kind of take over as the ACC leader again. Uh, they need to win it anyway. What, what, what do you think is going on with the Clemson program under Dabo Sweeney? Um, honestly, I think Dabo, I think Dabo is dealing with the things that, uh, that Nick has proven to be so successful at, and that's losing your coordinators. He's lost two offensive coordinators. He's lost his defensive coordinator. He hasn't been able to, re to replace them and get the same results. And that's going to be what dooms Dabo to, uh, because he, he, I mean, you look at Nick Saban, he's had to replace what seven offensive coordinators and four defensive yeah. coordinators since he's been here, you know, well, and it, maybe it, even it, might be more than the seven. Yeah, I mean, it was one. It was like from sixteen till twenty-one. It was a different one every year, just about. Um, so, I mean, Dabo's got to learn how to do that. He's got to be able to replace coaches, and he hasn't proven he can do it. This team is evidence of that. And uh, Matt, your thoughts? Florida State, uh, one and a half point favorite on the road at Clemson. This to me looks like maybe Clemson pulls one off, but every time I think about that, I think about Jordan Travis, and he's like top five Heisman Trophy candidate right now. Uh, yeah, and I just don't know with Clemson. I don't. I don't know if their defenses are as good as I, I don't think they are. I don't think they're as good a football team. NIL and and transfer may have a lot to do with that. But I'm still going to go ahead and throw the hail mary 
give the rock the chance and i'm gonna go with clemson and this may be why i'm last <laughs> uh, I'm going with Reagan. I, I think Florida State wins this uh, comfortably. And what a job uh, Coach Norvell has done in reshaping the roster at Florida State uh, by utilizing the transfer portal. I mean, all the big, big-time players on that team seem to have been plucked from the transfer portal. Okay, so this is a really interesting game. Colorado at Oregon, Oregon, you know, and Colorado is the the darling, right, of college football right now. Oregon is a 20.5 point favorite. All right, Reagan. I heard that Dion's level of detail is like the greatest. Like, I have never heard of them pumping in uh, crowd noise at practice. And and using you know noise generators to make to make practice loud for his players, but oh my God, Deion Sanders has just turned the college football world upside down by pumping in noise into his practice. I mean, guys, can you believe that somebody has that level of detail? I've never. I, I'm stunned. I'm. Sorry, I can't. All right, this is, for those of us. Uh, uh, yes, it is. Yes, uh, yeah. You, you, you got it. Uh, no, but you got to know. You got to know Reagan. Like uh, this. This is Reagan ripping yeah, Deion he Sanders. It. He was selling it. Yeah. So well. I mean, no. I mean, I've, really? I've seen these. I've seen these posts about Dion with his level of preparation, and he's a twenty and a half point dog. Shut up. I, go duck. Like, I want this clown show out of here. I'm tired of it. I'm sick and tired of it. They're talking about, talking about, oh, her dirt, the late trade on Travis Hunter. Like, it was, I mean, okay. You know, the guy's getting death threats because this cult of Dion doesn't know how to act in this, in, 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 in society. It's crazy. Like, it's literally crazy. I like I want it to end. I want Dion I want it to end. And the thing is I like Dion. I think Dion is great. I think Dion's good for college football. But the but what he's but this this just the people here that are just mind numbingly dumb about it, like, wow, I can't believe somebody had this like it's like Dion Dion invented sunglasses. Did Dion you see? Invented. Did you see his son just uh, bought a Rolls Royce? <laughs> yeah, good for. I mean, good for him. But good for him. I don't. Ha- I don't have a problem with that, right? I don't have a problem with that. But it's and the problem with Dion isn't Dion. It's the fans, the people making death threats because they didn't like a play because that was the first game of college football they'd ever watched. You know. Um, but in all honesty, I don't. I don't. I think. I think Oregon's too much for them. I. I don't care if Travis Hunter played. Um, I, I, I don't think I don't think Colorado's very good. They've had a really easy couple games that they've managed to make look like really tough games. Uh, I think Oregon has their way with them, and maybe the Dion. And I don't. And you know. And the thing is, that if they lose, I'm sure there will be. If they lose by five touchdowns, it'll be somebody else's fault. 
other oh, than Seattle and Colorado. Involved. <laughs> It'll be so, your fault. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Hey, yeah. Reagan, Reagan, uh, you articulated exactly my feelings on Deion Sanders. I'm going Oregon as well. Matt? Oregon. Uh, don't know to get... I don't need to go in any greater detail because I already have. So, uh, all right, Be, and this is another uh, game that we're obligated to pick: uh, Auburn at A and M. A uh, and M is a seven and a half point favorite. Auburn traditionally plays pretty well in College Station. Reagan, your thoughts? Uh, I'll pick Auburn. I don't like it. I don't really like either of these teams at all. Um, but. Auburn went on the road, won. Texas A&M went on the road, lost. Uh, I don't know. I think Auburn probably a little better this year. Matt? You know, they say uh, the home field advantage is worth, what, three? Three. So uh, would that make this on a neutral side a four-and-a-half point? I'd yeah. I'm sorry. This number seems extremely low to me. I would love I, – I don't bet. And it's nothing against Auburn, but it's first year. Uh, Thorne's going to be really targeted. It's going to be 92 degrees at Kyle Field. I take a lot of A&M here. Yeah, uh, I am too. Uh, I, loading up on A&M. Uh, Auburn, hey, it's a, it's been a nice story through three weeks. Uh, they haven't played anybody. Um, this is big boy was, football. It was, a, it was a nice win out at Cal for sure. Uh, they didn't cover that game, uh, which uh, hit me pretty hard. But, um, yeah, I, I like A&M. I think A&M is going to win uh, handily. All right. This is the one everybody's been waiting for. Ole Miss at Bama. And the latest I've seen is Alabama seven-point favorite. Justin. I mean, Justin. Reagan. Oh, man. Jeez, bars. That, come on. Wow. Um, look, this one's weird for me. It's weird because I don't, like, did they learn? Did, did Tommy Reese, has Tommy Reese learned? You know, uh, is he going to call the same offense he called for Texas with Jalen Milroe? Or is he going to call the offense that he had with Ty Simpson with two tight end packages, with uh, with different runs, not out of the shotgun every time, uh, with some slants and some screens? Or is he going to go back to the predictable shotgun draw nine times in a row on first down offense that we saw versus Texas? I, you know, I don't know. Um, does does it make a difference? Monroe versus Simpson? Yeah. Do I want Dylan Lonergans to be the starting quarterback? A million times yes. Will they get him off of the third team and the scout team? Probably not. Um, I, there's a lot of questions that I have. Is somebody going to step up at wide receiver? Um are we going to be able to block this week? I don't know. It's a lot of it's a lot of questions, and it's a seven point line. But look, we're not on the Ole Miss show 
we're on the big noon sports show in Tuscaloosa and Alabama. So what am I going to do? I'm going to pick Alabama minus seven because that's what we do. I don't care. I can, You know what? I'm going to go 2-0 on the other game. So I'm going to take Alabama. You can have the seven points, roll tide, and nobody's going to accuse me of not picking our guys. So there you have it. I you know, am, we would all have uh, two more wins had Alabama <laughs> covered. That was a great point that Reg had made. Yes. Um, I'm going with the Tide. I'm hoping they break it out. Uh, I am going with Alabama, too, because I believe in Nick Saban. And uh, I just don't – I can't imagine a Nick Saban coach team putting forth three duds, three duds of, of, of effort uh, in a row. And so, uh, yeah, I like Alabama to win uh, in the neighborhood of a 35-24. And I think the defense wow. is going to make big plays and, uh, um, and you know, maybe Kool-Aid takes one to the house. But uh, do, you got, do you have a score prediction for us, Reagan? I don't think Ole Miss scores more than 14 points. Whoa! I like. I really like this defense. I, you know, I really like the defense. I don't think Ole Miss scores more than fourteen points. Can we score twenty-one to cover that seven? So Ole what Miss, you, what, we'll find out on Saturday. What are you, what are you going with? I like twenty-four to fourteen. Matt, real quick. Wow, low scoring. I I would say something like. Um, 40-30. All right. You remember. Happy hey, birthday, thanks, Matt Coulter. Thank you. Happy birthday, Matt. I all wish right. I had known that earlier. Could have well, wasted all the time talking about Matt's birthday. No. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll come by. We'll come by the mansion. We'll try to come by the mansion tomorrow. We can uh, celebrate yeah, a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. I'll buy you a drink. All right. Thank you, Reagan. Thanks, Thank Reagan. Thank you, guys. Roll tight. Thank you, Lars. Thank you, Justin. Thanks for all the well wishes. Let's do this again tomorrow at NS3 in Tuscaloosa. Celebrate.